just bit me again. She just, did? Just nipped me. Well, just quit sticking your finger in her mouth. I mean, that's, <laughs> like, that's a good, good starting in point. <laughs> my finger was you just big like fat there. sausage pants. You're sticking her in her pants. I guess, there. yeah, my probably fingers just look like big sausages. <laughs> Delicious. Welcome to episode 324 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Today, it is our usual Saturday, and we're in Jason's Batcave mansion, and um, had a lovely meal with Jason last night. Wait, no, not last night, a few nights ago, in Houston's. At Houston's. No, in Houston's. In Houston, we like in a city. At Houston's is a restaurant. You don't eat in a... Yeah, right? but it's, you eat. It's, a, you ate at a restaurant, right? I think you can say. I mean, like, like if you if you were going to say, I'm going to go and eat in McDonald's. I think that's fair enough, right? <sighs> I don't know. Not not in the way not in the cut <laughs> way you're saying it. You could say, I'm going to go eat inside, as opposed to I'm going to sit outside. Okay. Anyway. Welcome to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Houston's, right? <laughs> we went to Houston. Why did we go to Houston's? Well, I was um, I was doing it as a thank you for you uh, helping out at. Um, Solve. Well, it was it was a great roundtable because I brought Thorsten. I invited Thorsten Hoynes, who really helped me with his branding stuff, um, and I promised him a Houston's. So the three of us went. You bought me. Uh, I bought him, and you bought you. Right. So nobody bought me but me. Yeah. <laughs> nobody <laughs> but you. Which is the way you like it. It's nobody like me but me. Um, yeah. Some good good fillets. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. We all got the fillet mignon. Well, well why why wouldn't you? I mean, it's yeah, so no, good. That's really good. So yeah, that was that was fun. Um, I told Phil about it. He's jealous. He's trying to plan a trip to come back out. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, he was. He was sorry he missed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we were just talking about the dog. So our Maisie, our <laughs> very our, friendly, our husky German Shepherd mix puppy, who's now about four and a half months old or so. I guess she nipped you last time. You're here. Yeah. But and actually like, broke the skin. Broke the skin and there was just a bit of blood coming out. And I was wondering, you know, should I, do I need to get a shot? I, I, I thought it's probably highly unlikely. You would, you would. Yeah, like, yeah. When you call me that, I was just like shocked. Cause like none of us, nobody has been bit and yeah. we wrestle and push her, play with I her. Know, and, and it was because, you know what it is? It's because I was, the way that I was stroking her, I put my hands on her head and I was just like scratching her behind the ears. Uh-huh. And I think I wasn't really sort of paying attention. You know how sometimes when you're not paying attention, you might do it too hard or, or a, a nail might go there. Sometimes I have long nails. And she just, she didn't um, like angrily bite me or something. She just sort of moved her nose out there and was like, you know, don't do that. And playfully kind of chomped down. It wasn't a hard chomp. Because, you know, you can tell when a dog really wants to bite. It wasn't hard. It's just the teeth are so razor sharp. Puppy, puppy teeth. Puppy teeth. And um, I think that was really why. And it was just... Yeah. <laughs> so, now, so now you're a little, uh, you only say once bitten, twice shy. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm Maisie like, won't leave I, you alone. And you're I don't like, know. Oh. Yeah, but but she's, so, she's so sweet. But also, for some reason, she finds our digital recorder extremely. Probably because you don't want her to. Smelly. So it's, it's, it's the forbidden fruit. She's like, you keep trying to keep her away from it. She's like, well, there's got to well, be I've never seen a there. dog try and eat a tape recorder before. Now that, yeah, well, <laughs> she was trying to eat the base of that whiteboard there for the last 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's well, you know, she, puppies are when they're teething, they chew on anything. She's ridiculously sweet. Um, Aside from the fact that she drew blood. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> when you, when you texted I, me that, she's like, a dog bit me, I'm bleeding. I'm like, oh, of course she did. Like, of course that happened to Justin. Like, what the heck? Like, come on. <laughs> but, but, but didn't you find it odd that, like, I didn't, I didn't, like, text you that until, like, you know, I don't know, five hours later? Because I completely forgot about it. Like, that's how right. sort of incidental it was. It was only, like, after five hours I was thinking, wait, 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 wait. If if the dog drew blood, only, like, does that only mean not, not you don't get a tetanus because you have to be a tetanus yeah. shot. You only get a tetanus shot if you're like stepping on a rusty nail. Or I know, yeah, yeah. A, you, what you need to wear for animals is rabies shots, and of course, like all domestic, you know, dogs, they get their shots. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So all right. So um, what's what's the latest? What are we gonna talk about today? Well, um, I did I did an office hours session with um, with Peldy from Balsamic Mockups. Yeah, wow. I thought I'd quickly bring that up. I haven't up. heard, I haven't, we haven't, well, I haven't seen him since, I don't know, maybe it was 2011 MicroConf or something like that. Well, let me just tell you, he's doing well. Is he? On 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 his website, he, he doesn't, you know how he used to be completely transparent about numbers? Well, then once you get to a certain level, he just. He was like, I don't, I don't want to say right. anymore, right? Well, because a certain point becomes bragging and it just, people, it gets obnoxious. I mean, imagine if, you know, like, um. I don't know, one of the Twitter founders or something just talking about what all the stuff they're buying. You know, it's just, how many billions do you have now? Like, it's just obnoxious. Mm. It's fine when you're like, oh, I made $3,000 well, this month. People are like, great, I make $7,000, I mean, great. If you go to Indie Hackers and have a look at the businesses, I mean, there's quite a few businesses there that are pulling in, I don't know, 100, 100 200, 300,000 a month. And mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're being tracked. What is it, Indie Hackers? I don't even know what that is. That's hilarious that you don't know what that is. I'm I'm smiling. I'm smiling um, because you don't know what that is. I'm really surprised. Um, indie hackers, um, and I, <laughs> I don't mean I'm not trying to be an idiot about it, but indie hackers is a very interesting site. Indiehackers.com. I'm guessing that a lot of people who listen to the show have heard of Indiehackers.com. Okay. So basically, it started out. Um, C.S. Callan is the username of, of of the guy and his brother. It start it started out where they. Um, allowed companies to come along and put their their stats. You know how much they're earning a mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. You know how many employees, what type of business, and that kind of thing. And then I think it moved into a podcast. Um, well, they, what was uh, the purpose? Why would it, why would people want to register themselves? Oh uh, well, the reason is the re- just to inspire other indie hackers. Like the whole the whole point of it is to inspire indie hackers. So guys like you and me who don't who sort of don't really want to do the funding thing and who who um although they do have they do kind of track funded startups there as well but it's sort of like a, a social network for indie hackers is the best way okay. to call it and um so it started off with with that where people could just sort of post and and there's there's hundreds and hundreds of businesses on there so you can go and look at their business story and they also have um a way for you to sort of post what you're doing so you know you can sort of say milestones you know I did this I'm planning to do this did you meet your milestones? So it's kind of like your roadmap, and um, yeah, and it's it's grown, and it was bought by Stripe. It that was sounds bought, familiar. It, it was bought familiar. by Stripe because um, it it fits with the uh, you know trying to increase the GDP of the internet. Okay, right, and um, yeah, so it's a lot of uh, you how long know, have they been around? A while, yeah, a while. I mean, it's probably know, like four mean? years, kind of thing. Three, oh, three really? years. How long have yeah. you been? part of it um oh, well i joined i mean you know me i probably joined up on the on day one right. but i didn't really i i'm a i'm a i'm a join early and then like sort of let it percolate then and you then, lurk a long time yeah i lurk and then i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna use this and i mm. i used it like i got i i filled a batch full of nugget uh through indie ha- through in, indie hacker posts okay yeah 
Um, it's good. Indie it's got, hacker posts. Yeah, well, it's got well, you know, they have like a little sort of Twitter style kind of thing, and you can also do, so it's it's like a cross between Twi- the way that he, the way that they've done it is it's a cross between Twitter and Medium, so you can post blogs there, you can do Twit sort of like a Twitter stream type concept there, you can post your startup there and track it. You have a profile, so it's like a whole kind of thing. I see. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about Peldy. You said he's doing quite well. Mm. I'm yeah. sure he doesn't want you to uh, give his bank account numbers. Well, no, out here, but, but I mean, look he, on 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 his not his homepage. Or his, I think it's, it's about us page. At the bottom, he says um, we've sold. I can't remember the figure. It, it, it made my eyes pop. It was something like 750 or 950. One of those, but either one makes my eye pop. We've sold. You know what? You know, come with us. We've sold like 750,000 licenses. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. that is unbelievable. Like, when you consider that, I'm pretty sure that a minimum license is 50 bucks, you know? Right. Or, and it's like, I think it might even be 70 bucks, but that's just the one-time sales. Then when you, you know, when you include the, the cloud stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. They're doing, they're doing pretty well. They're, <laughs> I remember the, the time I looked at the site before, you know, you know, this is us. And there's like Peldy and his wife and one other person. Now right. it's like 30 people. Big team. Yeah, yeah. big team, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, you know, but he's been around a long while. Yeah. You know, he he did all he played it he did all the right things, you know. He solved his own problem, which, you know, obviously you don't have to do that, but that really helps because you eat your own dog food, you'd really know what you're mm-hmm. what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um he uh started small, released some stuff, blogged about everything, you know. And well, he, and he stuck with it. Well, the reason why I really wanted so so he has a thing where you can get do office hours, and I booked, I booked a couple of months in advance to sort of speak to him. Is that what it takes? Yeah, yeah. So you you can go to their office hours page, and you can kind of book. So I booked him for office hours, and I really wanted to talk to him because I felt that he had been through something similar to what I'm trying to do in a way. Um, I know he didn't invent that concept of like um, mockups or whatever, mm-hmm. but basically he. He, well, they've had paper mock-ups. They've he, had different incarnations he, of it. He, he, but like, if if there was a line, like, you know, mock-ups was kind of like a, a, a gradual slope. But then Peldy came along, and then all of a sudden, boom! He leveled like up. Like everyone knew what mock-ups was, and like, you know, hundreds of competitors came out, and all of a sudden, it turned from like a niche concept into like basically a, a, a hundred million, if not a billion dollar industry. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's people making a lot of money through that that industry who are not Peldy. So basically, he was sort of the front runner of the industry, as, as I see it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And um, you know, I just wanted to ask his his experience about that and what you know what that and and it, he didn't have too much to say about that. <laughs> actually, about what? About about that? About because I was what I what I was trying to say to him is you know this product that I'm bringing to market is kind of similar. It's going to be creating a new product category, like how. Is there any tips or tricks that I should know about being in that position? Because it's a tough position to be in. You know what I mean? To because, sort of be the, because you have to educate the marketplace. Or you what? have to educate the marketplace. You're sort of like you, you know, you've got the competition factor. Like you know what? Ha- well, if you're like, inventing a category, by definition, you don't really have competition. Yeah, but but they're gonna 
they're going to copy you so, and be your so, competition. But if either, so what you're saying is either you enter a market that has competitors or you create a new market and you get competitors. Or either way, you have competitors. Right, exactly. So there's nothing to worry There's nothing to think about. You're yeah, going to have competitors. I, which is pretty much. So the, of, yeah, that's what I've been telling you because you've been, this is something you continually stress about. And I'm just like, <laughs> you need to stop worrying about that, you know, because you, you are not going to capture all the value in a yeah. product category ever. And as they say in, um, it's kind of a similar, it's a kind of a, it's like, you don't want to be greedy, you know, because you by, by being greedy, you're like, I'm not going to release anything because I don't want to steal it. It's like, just don't worry about it. Just do your best. You'll get your fair share if it's successful. Someone will copy you. Some other people will do well. I, I, you know, I don't a, care about cap, capturing all the value, but I don't want to be like, you know, I don't know, an Alta Vista when I could have been a Google kind of thing. Well, the way you do is just, is just uh, make a great, continue to focus on making a great product. Exactly, yeah. And that's all you got to do. I mean, and just, that's, well, that's, I think one other good piece of advice is don't obsess about your competitors. Yes. Don't worry what other one, everybody else is doing, which well, is hard for you, <laughs> particularly <laughs> knowing your personality because um, you're so easily. No, no, I, I've really learned a few times about that lesson. I mean, remember the whole debacle, you know, the, the whole nugget debacle when someone basically I know, we had one nobody competitor and you freaked out that was dumb i get it i get it i get it so you have to uh but but what i want to say is that um peldy did have some some really interesting feedback yeah let's get the let's get the the the, the peldy nuggets okay so the feedback was and and this isn't the first time this has happened from me talking this product through with people he was like you know you i gotta say you got me scratching my head here like i'd never seen something like this before I uh, don't quite know what how what the best way to use this is, what the killer application. You know, have you ever read um, Crossing the Chasm? You know, you should probably read Crossing the Chasm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what you need to do right now. Read that, and that's how you need to be thinking about this product. And so I got the book, and it's really, really interesting. What's the guy's who wrote, uh, name who wrote it again? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, it's a famous book. So it's, it's, sort of, it's, it's, this, it's this idea that well, really, the book is exploring why do some technology, why do some technology companies like kill it, and other technologies don't, and um, you know why is Oracle so big? Why is Google so big? And basically, the thesis is is that in the tech from from a, from a new technology adoption viewpoint, it goes through different phases of, of personality types. So the very first type of person who's interested in technology is an innovator um, that starts off being an innovator, then an early adopter, then an early majority, then a late majority, then laggards, right? Right. So the, so the innovator... You're talking uh, about people who buy a product, not people who create a company. They're people who buy the product. Who your customers are. You're yeah, talking about the... Well, not just, not exactly customers, users customers. or customers, right? Yeah. But just people who adopted, who adopted. That's what I mean. Yeah. You initially sounded like you're talking about the, the uh, personality of the company or the personality of the Got founders. It. Got That's it. Not yeah, the same my bad. Okay. Well... What's interesting, so, so, so the thesis is, is that the company, whether by design or by accident, plays to the right market at the right time, to the right user type at the right time. Mm -hmm. So an innovator is really just kind of loves technology and, uh, and loves this specific technology and doesn't quite know how it's going to... They like gonna, playing with it. They doesn't like quite know what it's going to do for them, but they can see that that's a cool technology and... It's going to do something for them. I want to play with it. I want to find out what it does and see how it's good. So the, so the innovators are the ones who are just like, Let, let's get in. Let's start playing with this. And then you get to the early adopters. And the early adopters 
are only really interested in it when when the innovators have played with it and it's sort of found a path for it. Like they've it, demonstrated a use. They've demonstrated a use, and and the and the the purpose. The early adopters want to use it because. They want to use it for their business and they want to be cutting edge in their business and they want to grow their business. Or not for the business of their life. They're early or, or adopters for, their for life. technology. It doesn't have to be business. But, but the key point is, is they want a new process that no one else used. They, they want to do the hard work of getting into a new process that's going to amplify their... their they want uh, to get a jump on things. Like, here, I'm going to try this new thing. Yeah. I want to get advantage over the people that I'm competing with or, the, or whatever, in whatever way it is. Yeah. Which is different to the early majority. So, so we've talked about innovators, mm -hmm. early adopters, and then early majority. The early majority don't want to change their process. Right. They don't want to like have to do something different in a way. They, they sort of want, they want it to be pretty established. You know, they don't want to be taking risks, they don't, yeah, they don't but want they to, still yeah. do want the competitive benefits or the personal mm -hmm. benefits. Right. And then the, the late majority are just and you can they get pulled in. They're the people who, you know, who finally got a smartphone. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, <laughs> they're the one like you, like you were telling us, like you, you, you know, you, you, the only time you got a smartphone was when you'd been working for Uber for like three years or something. You were going down to San Francisco and like, you were like, okay, this is embarrassing. I'm going to have to actually use the Uber app. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs> it's been like three errors in this two sentences. So let me clarify that. First of all, okay. So I wasn't working for Uber. I was never an employee. I was like, doing work for Uber. Okay. Con so contractor. it was uh, a little less than a year. It was, so I, it was in late 2011 and right. like, Travis and Curtis like, Hey man, you got to come up and, you know, meet all the people we've hired. And I'm like, who have you hired? <laughs> you know, I didn't even know they hired people. Yeah, there was still was like a handful of us. And, um, and Sandy said to me, she's like, well, you can't use an Uber unless you have an iPhone. Because you had a flip phone. When was this? This was, was Yeah, it was a Samsung little flip phone. 2011? This was 2011. Dude, the iPhone came out and in 2007. And I was, I kind of looked at her. I remember I was sitting in my office chair and she was here kind of standing next to me talking. She's like, well, you're going to need, she's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll go book you some tickets for you, but you need a, you need an iPhone if you're going to use Uber. The, Uber, the Uber app. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good point. And she's like, and then she could see that I was like, oh crap, because I don't want to go shopping ever or buy stuff. She's like, don't worry. I'll go buy one for you and figure out how to use it. <laughs> That's <laughs> she, ridiculous. She goes to the Verizon store, that Apple store, whatever. Got it for me. So that would have been like November 2011, which is kind of late. Wait, because it was when did the when did the iPhone go? 2006 or something? It's 2007. But that that's that's the definition of a laggard right there. That was kind of late. Yeah, you the, you you're a laggard. I, I think that makes sense. Um, and and the laggards are the ones who just like oh they're begrudgingly using it because everyone else is right. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I guess I'm a little bit of a contrarian, so that when everybody's jumping on stuff, I kind of go, eh, you mm. know. Uh, I don't, I don't, I guess I'm not an early adopter with most things. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I, I, part of it is um, my plate is always so full with things that I'm trying to get done that I'm trying to be as efficient and I need to be as efficient as possible. And taking a bunch of time to play with something that may or may not really even make that much difference other than the fact that everybody's saying it's cool or neat, which doesn't really mean anything to me, makes me go, I, I, you know, I can get this done just fine. Mm -hmm. Like, why the hell am I going to screw around with this stuff? 
Um, it's you usually, do dabble though. Like you got a Twitter, you got a Twitter account. You st- you tweeted a few things. That was late. You know, you got that a Google Plus account. You said a few things. That was I mean, late. I never really joined Facebook other than accepting some things. I never yeah. did. You know, never done Facebook. You dabble. I did face. I did a tiny, tiny bit of Twitter, and then I, I basically not stopped using it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I would say that I probably more often than not, as funny as it sounds, more of a, uh, a more of a, a laggard, you know, because it, it, it might be kind of like you always say that I'm not a joiner. Yeah, for for other te- for other people's stuff, but for your stuff, you're a you're an innovator, right? Um, well, anyway, so so what what? Yeah, so what, let's get so, back to so this. So Peldy's basically saying that this this is sort of where you're at. You need to find. Your the, tinkers, you know, the, the killer, your innovate, the killer your, app and innovators. So, so yeah, but and and each person, each uh, band of people that you speak to is kind of like a different band, and they have different wants and needs. And so that's you know, I'm going to be very cognizant of that. Like as I'm as I'm sort of getting this out there, in the first place, it's going to be kind of innovators I want to speak to. But I have actually um, spoken to some some. There's some use cases that I think it'd be good for, and I've spoken to. a a couple of customers um, and showed showed them the demo and they've been like, yeah, I, I really like this. And they've given me feedback about features that they want. You know, they're like, you know, I think it should be more statistics driven, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's really interesting. So I think what I'll, I'm going to do is I'm going to, when I launch, I'm going to launch with a, a sort of consumer idea and a business idea. And I'm going to charge for both of them because um, I obviously am not funded. That's another kind of issue, you know? Like the problem with the consumer, you know, a consumer approach is you always have to do like a free plan. Yeah. Um, but I'm just not sure how to deal with the bandwidth on a free plan with right. no funding. Right. Well, I just keep it very limited. You yeah. Know? You could have a free plan and just have a queue, maybe a line, a queue and just sort of say, yeah, I'll let in a thousand people right now. Dude, if that's your problem, you'll be, I don't think that's going to be your problem. Letting in a thousand people at a time. That's, you're in a good position if you have a thousand people. Being well, are you, are you in a good position? Because, um, to, to free, free kind of tire kicker kind of people, just to, just to play with a new technology. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, does that really help you? I mean, basically I think it, I think it, it like distracts you from. It can, it can, it can but I mean, I just like, you know, what am I going to do if I have a thousand, thousands of people who want to use this and how am I get like, those are good problems. Then you charge, you know, then you charge. Well, yeah. And then it's like, okay, we can't. Even then I've been thinking like, I don't, I just, I, I'm going to have to like initially bring people in, in some sort of batch form because I don't want that's, like strange things to happen or more people than. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not, these kind of problems I'm not too worried about. This is like, how am I going to spend my billions kind of problems? It's just kind of silly. It seems really different to how am I going to spend my billions. No, but I but mean like, I just, what am I going to do? So many people are going to use it. I mean, no, bandwidth I'm, is a that no, 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 expensive. No, 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 look. I mean, if you have, if you have 10 people using a completely new product, that's painful. Well, yeah, no, I ten I, people. Like, no, no, I'm no. I, so, bring so, on one person. In fact, I've, I've, I just gave this advice to two different companies, air startups that I'm advising, and I said, look, you know, you, because I made this mistake one time, where I was messing around with some software, and I emailed like a hundred or hundred fifty people I knew to try it out. Everybody ran in. To the same bug right exactly That's and so i never did so i would go two or three people first one yeah. person 
Right. Just exactly. get one person. Get your best buddy to yeah. go through it. And they're like, all right, looks good to me too. Then just a handful, three or four, maybe. They might find something weird. Then 10. If 10 goes well, then you may go up to like 30. But this, this is exactly what you I'm go talking stages. to you about. I'm not talking to you about, oh, thousands of people are going to sign up. I'm talking to you about like, yeah. you know, just well, that's the, always, the gradualized I, th- I think that's always the it. case with, 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 um, with startups. So I think because the first four or five stages, which can all happen inside a week or two, right, of getting, to, getting from one to 100 people, you know, of getting of going from okay, I'm having you're gonna have me go through it, and then until I find hey, I can't like reset my password, kind of thing, just dumb things, right? Little things. It doesn't let me change the name. You know, you fix all that stuff for me, right? And then you know, to the point where you have a hundred people, friends, acquaintances, people, you know, then then you can go once you, once it's at that point, you'd be pretty confident that's solid. A hundred people are using it, and you kind of knocked out the problems that you're seeing with them. The bugs, not are the bugs, or the are the UI um, problems. You get that kind of sorted out. Then I think you're probably okay to do a wider, much wider. So, at uh, what stage thousand. do you start blogging about it? Do you start blogging about it before the first person, or do you start blogging about it when you've sort of got it tested somewhat and you want more people in? I don't know. I mean, I I think because all that happens within a couple of weeks, it doesn't really matter. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't think it really matters. The two weeks of difference whether you start blogging or not. I would maybe, you know, you know, if you if you did the 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 twenty to five thirty people, you know, you could start blogging after that point because you're right. Then you're like, okay, I'm going to do one more batch of a hundred, and then, you know, but I don't think it really matters because even if you blog about it, doesn't mean that that's like going to hit number yeah. one on Hacker News or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, even if you said, all right, well, I'm just going to wait to get 100 people. So you're going to do all your friends of friends and stuff, and you get to 100 people, and you're like, it's odd. You know, then you say, okay, I'm ready now. I have a strategy for how I'm going to queue things up if I get lucky and a lot of people want it. You know, I also have a strat- I have a psychological strategy how I'm going to deal with it if I blog about it and nobody cares. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, the psychological strategy is that's happened so many times. It's like, meh. Right. Right. Okay. So no stuff, and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, nobody um, cares. So that's I, the common the common path. I don't. I don't think it's. Um, but I think what, um, you know, obviously you've taken the stealth approach of I'm going to build all this thing thing in secret. I'm going to patent it and all this stuff before I talk about it, which of course is antithetical to the whole. As soon as you start building it, then you've done it. So you've kind of missed that whole window. You've mm-hmm. missed months of time of doing that already. So that what you do the last two weeks doesn't matter. Okay. I, I don't think it's just sort of rounding error. Um, so remember last week I said I wanted, um, I was going to need some help for some math, for some math with this product. Okay. So you, you had some interesting things to say about it, but um, a listener, William, um, one of our listeners contacted me and said, you know, I, 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 I do some math. I, I'd like to help you out. So I'm like, okay. So got online with William Um I'm not going to say his surname because I'm not sure if he wants me to, to okay. single him out. But if he if he doesn't mind, then we can uh, okay. put it in the show notes. Anyway, he um, is a physicist, and yeah. um, so I'll say he does a little math. <laughs> he's he's, he does he's a, a physicist math. who's researching um, materials for quantum computers um, employed by a very I'm sure he knows his fractions. Very large agency. That dude can add fractions <laughs> like so nobody's I'm business. Like, I'm like. <laughs> Oh my god! So he did like a like a little algorithm thing, and he's like, you know, he's like, look, 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 
It just types this out, and I'm like, he's like, is X X zero one zero X zero one zero minus one zero? And I'm like, what the f- what the f? I'm like, this is so cool. I can't wait to show Jason this code right here. Oh really? Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun. So and so it made it it. it- well, actually, we haven't we haven't sort of got to that point yet. We're going to do a little bit more work together. Um, but but I can tell that working with him is go- is going to be really really beneficial. So is he just helping us be friendly, or is he well, consultant? Well, I've, I've mentioned that mul- multiple times. Like, do you do you want this to be like consulting, or do you want this to be a friend? And he's like, you know, right now it's it's a friend. Um, if it turns into more hours, then we'll t- you know then we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the right way to go. I mean, a lot of people. Um, who want to help you out, especially if it's just an, an hour here, hour there. It's totally, it's can be offensive to talk about money. They're like, man, I'm just helping yeah, you out. Yeah, like, yeah. dude, they just, um, and, you know, but at the same time, if it starts turning into more than that, then obviously you don't want to make them feel like you're taking advantage exactly, of them. And yeah. you want to say, hey, I would like to be able to get a lot more help with this and I don't want to feel bad about it, you know, and I'd be happy to pay you for it. And that's, that's, that's exactly how I brought it up. I said, look, I, I don't want to be rude when I mention this, but like, I don't want you to think that I just, you know, want you to just, just like give hours and hours. So if you want to do this as a consulting thing, that's absolutely fine by me. And you, you know, you just sort of keep me. That sounds keep like that's the right thing. You know, yeah. a few hours. He's probably just having fun. He's, you know, if, right. if, he, if he's been listening to the show and enjoyed the show, he's probably okay. This is kind of a novel experience. Help Justin out, you know, with this. It sounds kind of cool. And then, <laughs> but of course, once any type of volunteer helpful thing turns into like kind of a drag, you're like, yeah. oh, I guess more hours. And it's like that's why I never like to depend on volunteer stuff for very much because people, after a while, peters out because life gets in the way. People have other stuff going on. So. You know, I thought it might be interesting to find out why does a sort of nuclear physicist type of person listen to our show? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. like, why do you like? What do you listen? You know, like, mm-hmm. like you guys are fun. So, I'm like, oh, that's cool. So, like, we're you know we're fun for like physicists. That's fun for <laughs> physicists. So we should change the tagline. You know, if you're a hacker, you're probably like our show. It's probably more like if you are like ridiculously in you know smart or or you're a physicist <laughs> or. You You're know, ridiculously You might smart. find us fun. <laughs> we don't fun know why. For, <laughs> it's fun for physicists. Yeah. Well, I already fun have. For physicists. I already have. Yeah, I already have two potential show names. It's fun for physicists and Peldy's Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Although, wait. It has to be, be Peldy's Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear some. I'm going to hear some of his nuggets. So I'm wait, waiting. wait, that was his. That was his nugget. <laughs> I already told you. Oh, he, was he Reed, only had one. Or, it is was, it, or is it? Pelly's? It was Reed crossing the chasm. But that's just one nugget. So is it Peldy's nugget <laughs> or Peldy's nuggets? I mean, like he had, he had obviously had you know other stuff to say, but it was stuff. It was sort of you know the, the kind of usual stuff. I mean, basically, he repeated to me the the essentially what I had said in Nugget anyway. It's like someone else telling me what I had already said Which to do. Which you need sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if I, when I would go to the gym, trainers sometimes have other trainers watch their form, right? To make sure they're doing it right. It's like you still need people outside of yourself to get you doing the things you know you should be doing, right? Yeah. My, my takeaway, the big takeaway from that whole meeting was... There's a drawing that I did, and I'm just looking for you right now. Okay. Should we pay the Jeopardy music here in the background? I'll edit it. Okay. Okay. 
So we're gonna gonna show me a judge. Why, why do I need okay. to see the don't, judge? Don't, don't say the brand name. Okay, yeah. yeah but uh -huh. take it over. Okay, so I'm looking at this picture on his phone. World domination. Wow, you are here. Billions. So what is this? So basically, it's it's like. In my brain, I'm thinking all these big things, big, 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 you know, got to be going to be huge. It's going to be which successful, I, which I always tell you to stop but, doing. But what I need to do is forget about all of that. And so, so the, the, the image I've drawn is all of that crossed out and then just a, a central bubble theme, which is just find one customer and one function. That's, That's right. It. That's it. That's right. That was the main Advice. Which I've been telling you <laughs> over and over. Every time you have an idea, this is going to be huge. Just like this. Yeah, but yeah, but you're not as good as Pelty. You know, like when, when he tells me, I, I listen. You. All right, well, fine. It's like a pro. You can't. There's no. You can't. What was that? A prophet in your own village or something like that? You don't listen to that guy. You have to go somewhere. Um, yeah, the reality is, you, so, you know, there's something I think you've always struggled with. You have so much enthusiasm for what you're doing, you immediately go from zero to flooring it. And like, where is this gonna make billions? It's gonna be huge. It's like just okay, like okay. try and get if you can get a hundred people love your product, you're in great shape. Yeah. Like just focus on that. Focus on getting one, then ten, then a hundred. Don't even think about anything beyond that. Because okay. if you you know, it's like you know, we've talked about this and I'll say it again, but my you know, it's um you know, when Paul Buhite was creating Gmail. Went to the board. Do I tell, did I have talked about this recently? No. Okay, so he was the, you know, ostensibly the creator of Gmail. I'm sure there were some people in Google who helped him. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he, um, after they had like a working sort of version, he brought it to a, um, I don't know, it was a board meeting or some sort of executive meeting who had all the big shots there. And, and Eric Schmidt, who was the then CEO, you know, responded and he said, like, well, he's like, when you can get a hundred people in Google to say they love it, then we'll consider doing something with it. And he's like, you'd be surprised how hard it is to get a hundred people to love your product. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's always a good thing to keep in mind. The, the second thing is, um, and these are three things all around, but I'm just gonna repeat them because they're worth keeping in your brain, keeping in the front of your brain, which is, you know, the whole Airbnb, Brian Chesky said he, he had great, there's a great interview on, on, um, Oh God, what was it? Masters of Scale, Reed Hoffman's Master of Scale podcast. And he, he, he's talking about, Hey, you know, um, you know, if you can get people to love your product, that's the most important thing because once people love your product, they do the work for you. Right. right. And he's like, you know, when you use our product, I come and sleep on your couch. When you buy an iPhone, you know, Steve Jobs does it right. Oh yeah. We don't buy an iPhone. Steve Jobs doesn't sleep, some sleep on your couch, but I do, you know, which yeah. is the, which is when they had early customers, they just spent a lot of time with those customers trying to figure out how to make the experience better. Mm -hmm. And they did that. They did all that they call do things that don't scale, all that kind of stuff. But it's all in the effort of, say, getting to that first batch of people who love it. And, um, and the final thing I'll say about it is Sam Altman, also on the Master of Scale in another uh, podcast, in another interview, said the one thing they just can't seem to get across to, you know, their Y Combinator founders, and they just have to constantly try and beat in their head is... Getting you want your early cust you want your first customers to love your product. You want to build a product that customers love, not like. Because if you get it, you because what happens is they build a product that people like, and then they spend spending a ton of money on advertising, and that just gets really expensive. And then what happens is now you've accumulated a lot of users that you've bought for that you that you've paid for, 
right? Yeah. And now you have to maintain those users. Now you can't change things very rapidly because you have a, now you have a user base to maintain, but also they're going to complain the more you change. So what you want to do is not rush and work with those first five, 10, 20, 100, whatever, and then iterate to the point where people just love it. And then they become your evangelists, your super spreaders. But if you race to get a bunch of people through marketing, well, now you've locked yourself in a situation where you're never going to see rapid growth because you just don't have a, a product people love. You know, you know, maybe another way of saying product market fit. So uh, something else I wanted to mention is Peldy said he's, he's come, coming to LA. Is he? And he liked to, you know, saying, hey, do you guys want to do dinner? You know, so oh, he's not, great. not soon, but I think in a few months. So that's a standing invitation. Oh, um, that'd be fun. Um, and then the second thing I want to say right there is it, it's nuggets because it, there was two things. There was okay. crossing the chasm and one feature, one, one, one person, one function. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, so Peldy's Nuggets. <laughs> and, and then that's definitely, he's definitely going to listen to the show then. If, if we the man has it. at least two nuggets. That's what we can say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, great. That, that would be awesome. And, you know, it's funny because there's these people that, we've, uh, that we know who we've, who we've met in part through the show and other things who have mm -hmm. become so successful like Peldy, like Gabriel Weinberg. Patrick Collison. From Stripe. The, the I Gullison don't even brothers. know. Would he even return my email? The, I, now the point where I'm like, I don't Gullison know. Gullison Brothers from Stripe. I mean, we. I'm sure we could get them back on the show because for them, there's probably some nostalgia that that they spoke to us so early on. And now uh, they're... I become very self-conscious about that. I think people are just going to be... The guys like that are going to be like, eh, whatever. You know, I mean, it's funny. Like, I've texted Travis a couple times the last couple of years and he doesn't respond. Interesting. Which is a little odd. You know, I always like... I always like you know, I know he's he had a lot going on in his life and on all these kinds of things, but I think he'd at least say, you know, those kind of short blow-off texts, like, hey, man, thanks, yeah, we'll be in touch, and then just kind of, but I, nothing. Do you so, think maybe you don't have his number? There's always a possibility that his... You've just got the wrong number. ...that he changed his number or something. Now... That is possible. Now, when you, when, when Math Academy takes off and you are, like, mega, you are Jason Roberts... Like, Does that have Jason Robertson like super quotes or something? Yeah, like will, will you answer my neon texts? letters? Will, I think will you? In fact, I already think you you try and fuck with me and don't answer my texts. You do? <laughs> I think you do. No, see, dude, I have three kids, man. Like, I'm like caught up in a in a in a giant sandstorm of activity, and you're like, you know, text me something. I'm like, dude, like, I don't even have my phone. I'm like, kids are. I know it's like life, right? It's life. Or I'm teaching a class. Or I mean, so I, a lot of that, times... That, that happens to me a lot where someone will send me an email and I'll be like, man, oh yeah, I really want to... Okay, appreciate that. Going to respond. And then like Jack will run into the room or something and then all of a sudden I'll be playing dinosaurs and I'll just drop it because... Yeah. And then I'll just have to remember and... Well, that's... The, it's texting opened. is not synchronous. It's asynchronous. Right, right. You know, and I mean... You're so Johnny on the spot with that stuff that maybe you expect other people to be. And there are times when those people, I'm myself being one of those people, will are, are on the spot and I'm texting back and forth. But there are plenty of times where, you know, I don't. In fact, there was a really bad time where a friend of mine is actually a, a, the founder of a company I advise. And, they're, you know, and uh, he, had, he said, hey, you know, you know, do you want to come to our wedding a couple weeks? And I, he said, oh, yeah, let me talk to Santa to get you know. And then, like two weeks went by and I didn't he respond and then I just like, you know, when you're looking for old text and you're like, ah! 
I missed oh, the wedding. Oh, my God. Well, I didn't miss the wedding, but I, you know, I didn't respond, like I said, for something like that. Aren't they I supposed to horrible. send an RSVP, like by card? I, I think it's a little more informal than that, but it still felt, I felt horrible. Yeah, I was like, that was the worst sort of text transgression. All right, right. But well. I, you know, I'm not trying to uh, blow you off, man. I'm, oh, no, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I've, I've got more stuff we'll talk about, but, you know, maybe... maybe we, you want to switch it up? Yeah, sure. What, well, let what me you serve. got going on? What you got going on? Um, oh, well, first thing that, that will um, come to my mind, is coming to my mind is... Uh, so I'm teaching a summer course. Okay. Uh, it's a five-week... So the, the Passing Education Foundation, which raises money to support the, the Passing School District, it also runs some programs like uh reading i think it's reading partners my, my masterpiece like an art thing called my masterpieces they have to the robotics program and they also they help, help support math academy but they also um do a uh, summer school kind of thing which is like at about a half dozen of the schools they'll have um it's just like half a day four days a week for five weeks and it's like you know fun classes Okay. You know, like cooking and gardening nice. and robotics yeah. and, you know, 3D printing, you know, just the kind of mm -hmm. stuff the kids would want to do. Because, you know, once your kids are home from school, parents are like, what the hell am I going to do with this kid? <laughs> it's all summer. And camps are incredibly expensive, right? Mm -hmm. and parents need to work, you know, and so the and, and kids need to do something else other than sit at home all day. So um, anyway, the uh we're putting on four math academy courses. Um, so one of our TAs, uh, Justin um, Skysick, is mm, teaching him, yeah. three problem solving, uh, drawing with Desmos. Desmos is like a graphing program, and then like uh, research and presentation of mathematics. Okay. okay. So, and I'm doing one called Introduction to Mathematical Proofs. So if you recall, when my original group of kids, included Colby, were in sixth grade, I taught them how to do proofs, proof, all the techniques of proof. Um, so it'd be like direct and indirect proofs, proofs with divisibility and congruence and with sets and proof by induction and contradiction, all that kind of stuff. So there's a typical course nowadays, if you're a math major, and they need to level you up from, say, just solving problems. So in high school, and even a lot of times first-time college, it's just like, here's a certain category of problem. Here's how you solve it, right? But I think it's the point later where it's not about solving problems. It's about proving things. Prove this, prove that. And it is a huge jump. So kids who rocked the SAT, the math portion of the SAT, and did extremely well on the AP calculus exam, they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to take this advanced math class, or I'm going to major in math, or whatever. And they do some math-based course, like real analysis or abstract algebra or something, and they're just like, what the hell is going on? It's like all of a sudden you're, you walk into class and they're, and they're speaking Japanese, and you're like, I, I don't so know how to speak you, Japanese. So you taught them proofs as like one of the first things they learned? No, so remember, I started with them when they were fourth grade. Yeah. Fourth grade, I taught them pre-algebra. Fifth grade, I taught them algebra, algebra two and trig. Sixth grade, I taught them pre-calculus, and on the, while teaching pre-calculus, I wanted to experiment and see if I could teach them techniques of proof. Okay, that was, I was yeah. just thinking about That was it. recently then? Three years ago. Oh, three years ago, okay, yeah. So when they were in sixth grade. So okay. Now they just finished ninth grade. Right. And um, it was, it turned out to be an incredible success. They, 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 they were better at proofs than I was as a sophomore in college, I think. Huh. Um, 
because I taught them into a I, I, I taught them explicitly how to do them and how to think about them, the logic underlying them, the structure, you know, the strategies, all those types of things that are important to figure out like when and how to use different proof techniques and like what constitutes a proof. What's a valid proof? How do you know if you prove something? You know, which is something that's sometimes it's hard to convey to a student. You know, it's like, what do you mean prove it? Like, what do I do? Do some examples? Like, no, you don't give examples. It's, it's, it's a whole, you know, there's a, there are conventions, stylistic conventions, there are logical structures, there's all these kinds of things. So um, anyway, I, you know, I'm not teaching during the year anymore because I don't have a credential and I'm not really interested in spending my time getting, working on a teaching credential because it's a fair amount of effort and I just have too much else going on. But I do have an itch to teach because I really enjoy it. And I said, oh, you know, I'll teach my favorite course you know, introduction to proofs. I mean, and I haven't done that in three years. I want to see if I can do it again. Yeah. But do an even better job. With different it. kids. Different group of kids. And um, it allowed me to connect with some of them because be, they're from, there'll be kids who are going into eighth grade and going into ninth grade. And they're from three different schools. So I'll get to sort of, you know, spend a little more time. I mean, That's I cool. know a lot of these kids. Some I know better than others, but I'll really get to know. Now, would you be teaching that in person or, or using your software? In person. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's like an hour and 15 minutes, four days a week. Nice. So, but what, I'm de what I've decided to do is I'm not just going to teach them techniques of proof. Um, I'm going to teach them um, the some abstract algebra, which uh, is really um, a good subject to teach, um, to use to teach proofs. I mean, I'll initially spend the first couple of weeks and we'll just l do literally nothing but proofs with simple stuff like, you know, odd and even integers and things like that, divisibility and con you know, congruence, stuff that's really easy to, to everybody understands, you know, uh, as concrete examples. But when you start talking about like a group, a different type of mathematical object that has different properties, and then you have to like do a lot of explaining about that, but it's not that hard. And gr group is just a set of elements that have a binary operation and, and it has to base a three or four properties. Um, that's it. And so, but, but I think the more I think about it, it's like, you know, I think I can think I'm a, I, I can teach them a fair amount of group theory if I can get like three weeks on it, which will be like a huge challenge because like that is like a junior, le college junior level course. Mm. It's really hard. And a lot of people get through it and they don't, and I have to say like when I took it, I at first didn't know what the hell was going on to be honest, really. I mean, I, I understood the words and I understood the definitions to some degree, but I didn't. I didn't really. Well, you've said before that the, the way you un, the way you grok things is like you sort of hear it, and then you hear it for like a few weeks, and then all of a sudden it all fits in and makes sense in one go after a few weeks of un, of listening. Oh, you mean my particular learning yeah, curve? Yeah. Yeah, I have the weird learning curve in that. It it uh, it's like as my high school teacher used to say, he's like with he's like with Jason. There's no. It's a, he's a discontinuous learning curve. It's either flat and then it goes a straightly vertical. <laughs> like there's no difference between complete confusion and complete understanding. <laughs> um, I, a little bit of exaggeration, but I, I, I think he had, he had he had a point. But anyway, so I mean, I haven't thought about group theory in any kind of depth in almost 30 years. I mean, last time I touched this was like 1991. You know, so I'm having to get out some of my old books 
and remind That's myself. That's why those books are on your chair. You right. know, like okay, well, you know, what's a you know per- permutation groups and cosets and orbits and subgroups and cycles and generators and all these different terms and homomorphisms and isomorphisms and you know, you know, there's just all these little thing, all these different I- concepts and ideas and theorems and structures, but they're really fun at the same time. It's like Legos or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, I was sort of thinking to myself, it's like, so that got me even way more excited about the course. I mean, I was already excited about the course, but now I got me really excited because it's an experiment. And I kind of view myself as an education, educational experimentalist. <laughs> you know, like I try, I like to run experiments. I like to try and see if something is possible. Yeah. You know, will this work? If I already know it'll work, it's sort of like, it can still be fun because kids are fun and it's fun to watch them get good at something really quickly. You just want to break new ground basically all the time, whenever yeah. possible. And I like to prove, I like to do things that seem like they shouldn't be possible. Yeah. Like it's proving something's possible. You're like, oh yeah, it seems so possible. Like abstract algebra. Really? The eighth grade. It's like, okay, fine. You taught some calculus to some eighth graders after a couple years of preparation. These are the brightest and most motivated of the eighth graders. Okay. Wow, that's really impressive, but I guess that seems like it could be possible. Abstract algebra? Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's where a lot of these people who smoked calculus and linear algebra and differential equations, they see that and they're just like, nope, I'm out. I have no idea what's <laughs> going on anymore. This is totally, there's not, there's not a number in this book. <laughs> it's like all just symbols and, 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 and words and weirdness. But, I think I know how to explain it to them and teach it to them in a way that will actually not be that hard. It'll actually be fun and easy. Because I think, I think that you can explain hard concepts if you break them down into simple steps and yeah. you give very concrete examples and you give them the opportunity to work through themselves and so they develop a natural intuition. Um, I think you can. I think you can do it. Anyway, it's going to be super fun. That's awesome. So I'm all fired up about it. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, God, I got to learn this really quickly. <laughs> but the other thing is Colby is going to be my TA. Oh, nice. So he, so we've been going through the, all the proof techniques, which he hasn't seen since he was sixth grade. Luckily, he remembers most of them. I mean, a little bit of prodding. He's like, oh, right, you know, and we're going through all this, like, proofs with, Car- you know, Cartesian products and all these kinds of things and these sets and He's like, I start showing him, he's like, yeah, yeah, dad, I know you, blah, blah, blah. It's a subset and you got to prove the other way. And I'm like, okay, you got it, you know. But the group theory, he doesn't know. So I have to teach that ahead of time so that he knows enough. The, pro- well, the problem is, so that's the big added twist by just, just dating to do a lot of group theory. Now I'm sudden getting to a area where he doesn't have a lot of, or any experience. But he's a year young, for his grade. So he's the age of most of the rising ninth graders that are going to be in this class. So he's going to be the same, you know, right? He's going into 10th grade, but he's the age of a lot of these kids. Mm-hmm. So, and so I'm like, all right, Colby, like, listen, <laughs> you got to be on your game, right? Because these are all like you, they're really smart kids and they're your age. Yeah. Right. You know, so like, you know, when we're going through this, I'm like, all right, Colby, he's like, all right. I'm like, listen, if you, if you come in there and I say, right, well, help this kid out, help that kid, and you can't answer their questions, they're not very helpful, they're going to, it's going to be a bad situation. Like, you have to be on, I know this stuff, Cole. So, it's going to be a, I'm a little, I have some trepidation about having 
having him as my TA because I want to make sure that he's like you guys can have fun there. I hope so. <laughs> I hope. I mean, I think he'll know the stuff well enough to be helpful. Yeah. Right. Um, cause I'm going to, even with the group theory stuff, like we'll work through it like a week in advance and go through it. So he'll know it, um, well by then. And then I will help him help out the most, the students who are struggling the most. Right. And so that, and it's, and even when I run a normal class, you always, even in math Academy, you always have a, a distribution of kids, you know, from the kids at the very top of the group who are grokking all this stuff really quickly. And then the kids at the bottom who are really struggling and you always get the top kids say, Hey, go help. So-and-so. Yeah. You know, and, and that usually is, is a, uh, a productive experience for both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, so I think even if it was like almost at that level, it's like, okay, Colby's like a kid your age who just happens to know this stuff so he can help you. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he could take more of a leadership you know, role. So it's like a secret test as well. Yeah. But also be good too, because next year they're actually going to be doing abstract algebra. All right. And uh, well, so the course, the 10th grade class is uh, abstract algebra, differential equations and discrete math. So, and I'm not worried at all about him doing discrete math. I mean, discrete math and differential equations. Abstract algebra, that's going to be like a thing. So at least he'll have like a good sort of mental jumpstart on it. He'll come in and be like, all right, I know. I know how this works. Which is something, like I said, you know, when I was a, whatever, sophomore, junior in college, it was not <laughs> an easy thing at all. It was not a good experience. Anyway, so that's... That's awesome. That's what I want to say I'm cooking. All right, so what, what do you got? Uh, well, do you, want, do, wait, do you have any tech things you want to talk about? Like what? I don't know. Like, was there any... Because we, we had made a commitment we were going to do... We were going to have some other things apart from us. Oh, you mean like topics? Yeah, topics. Oh, you mean uh, our news stories or yeah. something? All right, bring up a news story. I don't have any. I'm asking, you don't do you have, have any? any news stories? <laughs> do you? <laughs> I don't know. I'd uh, have to look. Let's see. So, uh, I don't know. Let's see. I mean, I got, I do have, I do have a, a, a topic I want to talk about. Okay, go ahead. Um, but, well, it's, it's, so I don't know if this, if, if I'm going to get any, employees in this this new project right um but but i would like to think maybe i will but once again as we've just discussed don't get too ahead of yourself yeah no, yes as, as, as but, yeah it's my favorite uh, line that uh, my buddy doug always uses for um for man v code glove is he's like like let's not get ahead of our skis let's not get ahead of our skis but but what i have been thinking about is if i ever do have employees I would like the expectation of those employees to be different to any other company I've been a part of. Okay. Like what? I would like to promote those employees to promote the idea that they should start their own company. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so like normally when you go into an employment, the idea is, to promote all the reasons why they should stay, all the reasons why they should work hard on your mm -hmm. product, all the reasons why they should just be, you know, your product all, all the line, you know? Right. I basically want to promote the exact opposite. You're coming into this, you're coming into this company, you are going to help us out, you're going to be awesome for the time you're going to be here, and we're going to do everything we can to get you the life that you want, to, to help you start your own company, if you want to. If you want to stay here, and that's fine. If that's if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But 
if you have any interest in being an entrepreneur and doing that, we're gonna we're gonna send you through Nugget. We're gonna like encourage you to do anything you want, so that you're Why? here. Why? Because that's what because um, because like, I've had that experience with a few employees before, where they were those kind of entrepreneurial types, and I knew that I wasn't gonna have them forever. But it's sort of like the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long, like the time that they were, were with me was amazing. It was just a really good experience. Like they brought an incredible amount of innovation to the company. Mm. They brought loads of really great code and just like cutting edge stuff, really good R&D. And I, I just want that experience a lot, mm. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's why. Well, I think there could be some potential trade-offs there. Um, you know, there are a lot of really high caliber people innovative people um, who aren't necessarily interested in starting their own company. Right. They just, they don't, they don't, they're not worried about becoming rich or, or but they just want to do what they like to do. They're like, hey, I have a life I like, I have a family, I do the things I want to do. You know, making a million dollars doesn't mean a lot of money to me. So I just want to do what I want to do. What I like to do is to, is to manage product or design or to write code or do that. So, you know, trying to get up in people's business and try and get them to do something that they may or may not really care that much about, um, you know. Well, I, I, I said I, I didn't, I, I did say that. Yeah, yeah. If someone wants to come in and not do that, that's absolutely fine. Like Alex, for example. Mm -hmm. Like Alex is, might be the least entrepreneurial person I, I know, but he's an amazing coder. He loves to code and he loves yeah, to, yeah. you know, increase his skill set. And that's a fine path. What I'm saying is, is, that is that I want to create a company, a company that has no sense of lock-in. In fact, it has the opposite. It's it's like it'll just give you as as many resources as you as you need if you need them. There's no. But that also can detract from your company because if you spend all the time trying to help them launch, I mean, you know what happens when people get really focused on some other idea, they're not really focused on this other thing. Yeah, you know, they're not. That, it's it's a kind of fine balance, but I think that there's something. In between, in the middle. I think you'd be careful with that. I mean, yeah. it's like if you if you hire all, if you spend a lot of time just trying to find like mini clones of yourself, you might be in a situation where there's not a lot of stability because you're losing people, <laughs> yeah. right? And um, you know, everybody wants to kind of do their own thing. But you don't need that many people. Do you? well? Then, what, then again, you, depends on what you're trying to do. It's true, like. So so do. when we when we were in Houston's um when we we're at Houston's uh -huh. you told you were telling the Uber story to Thorsten and by the way that's the best version of the Uber story <laughs> you've ever told it was really great <laughs> and there was one point where you said you know we were working on it and it was a small handful and then Travis invited me down and told me that we were going to hire new people and you said why, why do we need new people? This is all we need. Yeah, well, so specifically what it was, is I called, I was on the phone with Curtis or something, or some, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late, or I'm sorry, I was I was um, interviewing some people. And I was like, well, what are you interviewing people for? He's like, we, we're interviewing developers. I'm like, we've got dude, a, we got this. We got this. Like, what are you talking about? He just, <laughs> and they've got like a thousand developers now. But so, and, so, and, and what was funny, though, is he, he just laughed at me. He's like, well, Travis wants like to have X number of developers by the end of the year and he wants to keep so he so Travis was just like had like a quota we're going to have 20 engineers by hand we're going to have 50 engineers like that's how Travis thought about it 
That's a, that's an interesting. He just thought about hiring lots of engineers. Like that is just a resource, and that resource just creates value, magnifies value, creates value. So where I was just like, you know, we have a couple of, we have an iPhone and Android developer. We have a couple of DevOps people. We have some people doing the API, and uh, you and I are doing all the real time infrastructure. Like, what's the, you know, like what's the big deal? And I think I, <laughs> I think I think the same as you, and and I can't really envision something bigger than that. It's it's sort of hard to imagine the exponential. Yeah, but um, again, like you don't. Again, you're you getting ahead of your skis. Even no, thinking know, about those things, I know, it's I not know. even worth worrying about. Like, okay. you know, if you get to the position where you can work full time out by yourself, huge win. <laughs> huge win like that's it and then okay they're gonna hire somebody else full-time like even getting even having conversations about time the second person is just way <laughs> ahead of things right it's just fantasy i think I just want to burst my bubble man right i just think i just think you, you know you, you you know i guess that's your habit to do that but i, th I think it, it hurts you more than it helps you because it gets you on this sort of emotional roller coaster Right. And I think you should just enjoy the process of creation and finding and pleasing your first customers. That's what I think. I mean, it doesn't mean that well, you can't have momentary flights of fancy, you know? Dude, but, I mean, what the, I don't have much to talk about because I can't really talk about... I'm just trying to think about things that I can talk about and that I have been <laughs> thinking about. And it's like, you know, I can't talk about the product just yet. And so... When that are you going to be able to talk about the product? When, how much longer? I just want to be able to, the reason why I, at this point, the reason why I want to keep it a secret project is not because um, of, of some secret. It's because I don't want to tell people what it is because I think that will ruin the magical effect of the first time they see it in action. So I just want people to see it in action and go, and just have that feeling of, oh, wow, that's kind of flips the world around a bit. And that's what most people who see it, they have that feeling. And um, if I just sort of tell them what it is, then they're going to go and look at the demo and they're going to know what to expect. And it's not going to be as fun. That's why. So I just Why do you care about that? Just here, why do you care about that, that momentary that moment in time? Because then that passes too. And then it's just, it does what it does. It's really... Why is that? Why do you give a... That's damn. really interesting. Why do I care about that? Because um, you are very much very controlling about showing stuff. You're, every time you want to show something, you're like, oh, you're limiting the control. Let me show you. Like, you really, yeah. really want... I wanted to... I, I, you're I really very controlling to, about I, the presentation I wanted of to the, be a very curated experience. I want... Because I, I guess I just sort of feel like well well what is if it if you don't have that exact experience well then what it's just that's here's not what, what i would say not what I here's wanted. what i would say um it's not about that first one impression it's about using it over months and years and how much value it creates for them and like they use it <laughs> right yeah do they use it it's like it's it's like having a bunch of people go oh wow justin this is really cool <laughs> like who gives a damn if they don't use it or buy it right yeah. Right. It's just like for Math Academy, for me, if someone goes, oh, Jason, that's really neat, blah, blah. And then that's it. Like, that doesn't mean anything to me. What means to me is when I see kids using it over a period of months and learning a ton of math, that's like, OK, this is working. That's that's the process. But doesn't doesn't the creating, a, you know, a magical first impression sort of increase the chances that they will use it, that they will tell other people about it, that they'll think about it? that they'll sort of wonder about it. 
I'm not. I'm not a big believer. I mean, in isn't that. that? I think. I think people. Isn't that what Steve Jobs wanted to do every time he released a product? Yeah, but again, it's a different context. You're talking about a you know massive global brand. You know, I think for. I mean, look. If that's something you want to care about, then do it. But I just think that really that when people recommend products and stuff, typically, not always, but typically it's something they've used themselves and they really like. You recommend TV shows they've seen. I, mean, I watched the show. It's really good. You should see it. I mean, Oh, I read about a show. You should go see People don't like, oh, you know, I saw a great trailer. You should go it, see it. It's almost, it's also, oh, I think I do know what the answer is. It's like, you're asking why, why do I care about that? It's also, why do I care about design? You know, why do I care about, I want the design to be exactly the way that I want it to be. It's what you said before. It's about being a craftsman. It's about being a, like a creative presenter. It's like being an artist. Right. So it's artistic. So you have, you want this artistic it's, experience. It's not, yeah. But yeah. I think putting those constraints on you as a company could end up hurting me, causing more downside for you because it prevents you from getting it earlier and getting feedback from people. It's That's not going to be long. I mean, man, it's going to be like, okay, it's going to be just a couple of weeks at this point. Okay, maximum of a month. Maximum. Again, I think you're waiting too long. But okay, fine. But I mean, I just think um, in the end... Well, no, because I'm showing it to the, I'm showing it to the people who, who matter. Like, I've got customers using it on their site. Do you? They're actually using it? Well, they're going to be as soon as I can just complete those feature requests that they come up with. See, I think... If you had them using it without those features, might be more useful rather than just holding it back and just working and working, work. Just get well, them have, using I'm it. I'm going to have that done. I'm, it's going to be on someone's site within the next two weeks. Okay. Absolutely for sure. That's, yeah, I just get it out there, man. Get people using it and getting real feedback. Not Because here's the thing. The, the things, the most valid... Uh, customer feedback is from customers who are actually trying to use it, not yes. people who just watched a demo. Right. Right. That's legitimate. Like people think they want something and they start using it and then they realize, like, I don't really care about it. You should do this. You should do it. Because all they're doing is speculating on how they might, their experience might be. Because all they do is watch you present the thing, damn thing to them. So when they actually go use it, then they'll run into the real problems. Well, remember, I want to I impress the innovators. The people who can sort of visualize, oh, these are the different ideas and different ways that I might use that. Mm, I don't know. I don't think even I don't think even the word impress should be part of your thought process. I don't think you I don't think you should be worried about impressing people. I think all you really should be worried about is creating a product that people find useful. Yep. That's what I think. That's true. I think uh, you know, look, look, when Peldy says what you just said, it just sounds better. That's all I can say. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. Let, listen to Peldy. Peldy's nuggets. nuggets are better than your nuggets. Uh, that's fine. You, want, you like Peldy's nuggets? You like Peldy's nuggets? What no, I do about no, I hear you. Uh, but I hear, yeah, you. I just, I hear you, man. I yeah, you. you just, um, it, I think it's, I think you're, you know, obviously the stuff you showed me, it's, it's, it's really, it's really elegantly done. It looks cool. Um, but, uh, you know, I just want to fall in this trap of just spending too much time just polishing this thing and, and adding features that may not be that important. Because here, here's, here's what's really interesting. So, like, or not really, but here's an example. So, Math Academy software, I've been using it on these kids for three years. It's, 
still an ugly duckling in some ways. Mm-hmm. It is still incomplete in a lot of ways, a lot of features. It doesn't matter it, because it still works. It still does the core things it needs to be doing. Yeah, exactly. It does that, and, and that's the that's the kind of fallacy about the MVP. Like, it does the core things it needs to be doing. This does not do the core things it needs to be doing to work effectively for, for okay. the situation that it needs to be. That is what I'm doing. I'm not, I mean, yes, I am as I'm going along. I am polishing it to look as beautiful as I can make it. That's fine. But it still needs to do the core okay. things and it okay. can't do them. Okay. okay. Right? So all, I, I am doing MVP um, and it's going to be, it's still going to be embarrassing. Believe me, even though it's going to be pretty. Uh, it's not going to be embarrassing. I've it, already it, seen this. Nothing's going to be embarrassing about well, it. Well, there there will be. There'll be some. The, the biggest, the only thing, the only risk that I see, the, actually the biggest risk for the product, I think, is the fact that it could potentially be a technology looking for a problem to solve. Right, right, right. And those always those problems always scare me. It's very cool. And I see a lot of potential problems problems it could solve the question is do the people who have this problem see this as a solution see, to that problem right and that's what we're going to be testing with the first person right yeah we're going to be testing that for reals but what i the other thing i think you should do is not show it to two people and if they react badly go back to the drawing board and start doing things yeah, over. yeah 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 you got to show it to at least 10 to 20 people before you say okay i've got some reasonable feedback here you know, from a, reason, a, a reasonable data set. I mean, obviously you'd like even more than that, but two or three people, you just have the wrong two or three people and they'll send you off in completely the wrong direction. Look, the irony is, is it's from the moment that I first thought of it, I already thought of this, of the, of the obvious use case. Mm-hmm. And no one's told me some other obvious use case. Like it's, it, it has an obvious use case. And when I showed it to the to the this website owner, he was like, "Yep, that's what I would use it for." All he's showing me is uh, the feedback he's giving me is how to refine that use yeah, case. Yeah, but it's just one to person. make that use case useful. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's it, it, it's just it, it's just one person. So here's the thing: if you add too many features to support this one imagined use case. It may be less versatile for solving other use cases that, and then it becomes too custom fit for this other thing. That's so a good point. It's yeah. like it's like when Twitter came out, and then the people at Twitter were going mad because people are using it wrong. Yeah, yeah. You're using Twitter wrong, having conversations. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, right. Like right. it's not up to you how people use the software. They're going to use yeah. it however the hell they want. I know. I, I completely agree with that, and and that is that is a bar that I'm thinking about with the features that so have been requested. If yeah. you have this overly controlled demo process where you're just like leading them through and I want you to think about this how I think about this and really to it like it's sort of leading the witness. Like you're just sort of really getting their head about how you want them to use it and think about it. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, fine. You've sort of brainwashed but, me into thinking about this how you want. So I'm gonna just tell you the things that I think about in line with that. But it could be there's something a little a, a different use case is a little skew that's much more, um, much, um, it's be a much bigger problem for more people. I'm just, you know. Yeah, yeah. In other words, get the simplest damn thing out there work soon. Quit, <laughs> quit, quit uh, fussing too much over having well, this perfect. Okay, okay, but, but I'm an, un- it's an unfunded company. It's a, it's a, it's a side project 
and I don't want to put something out there. I mean, I could just put something out there that was free and that lots of people could dabble with and play with, but that would be a dumb move. No, I'm like, not saying do that. The better move is, is to find the first use case that I think people will pay for and build and at least monetize it through 10, 10 people. Sort of like the mini version of Tesla starting with a, with a high-end car kind of thing, you mm -hmm. know? So I, I sort of think that is the right plan. I mean, ultimately, I would like to do what you're saying, which is to do a, you know, this super simple version that, that lots of people could play with for free and try it out. But I need revenue first. Yeah. Why? Because I can't, because I, because, um, I, I don't want to like end up, I've already tried, I, I know what, it, I know exactly what it's like having a free user base. And the, I know exactly what it's like having a free user base. I know exactly what how many just... feature requests come in and you feel really compelled to answer the feature, feature requests. And you can sort of, you really want to please people. And it's like free users generally complain and um, have a lot of feature requests. And I'm just not quite ready for that yet. Okay. You know what I mean? Versus doing some, some monetizing of it and then getting more of a handle on it that way. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, other topic? When you do your schemas, do you do um, like, uh, do you create pure relations where if, if the relation isn't satisfied, it's going to break? So like, you know, like references, table references. And so you try and you try and add something and it doesn't let you like add a record. Constraints, like yeah, constraints? Yeah, key constraints. It doesn't let you add the record. Or do you just sort of say, I'm just going to do integers and just know that they tie together and that's it? Uh, I think it depends. In some cases, yes. Some cases, no. Because I, I definitely do tend to just like, yeah, I, I don't do it the proper way, you know? Yeah, I, I mean. Like I, I'll, I'll just, yeah, it's a user ID. That's the user ID. They're going to match up. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, foreign key, like the foreign yeah, key stuff. Yeah, just, yeah I, exactly. Like we do like unique, you know, this unique key, like this mm -hmm. is a combination, like these two records, this has to be unique. Yeah. These two IDs. Yeah, I would say more than, more often than not, I don't go crazy with that stuff. Right. Um, But more often than not, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, I think our database is in pretty good shape. There's some stuff, there's some cruft in there. There's some stuff that needs to, because problem is, is that, you know, Sivalad has been doing a lot of that stuff. And um, so I'm not, my eye isn't on that. And I think he's a little more hesitant to just make hard cuts and hard changes. Do you ever get tempted to use like a JSON object in a, in a, text, in a text field, almost, which has a bunch of different... <laughs> I almost did that for something. And then I complete. I funny, I was, I was writing a GitHub issue and I said, all right, here's the JSON object. And I did, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> not going to do that. Like it was just because I said, you know, some of the stuff is could potentially be relational or searchable and it's just screw it. Just add, just add some fields to the table and stuff. It's but, just, it's, it just gives you so much flexibility right there. Like you can't do anything you want with like just a JSON object in a text. But then field. you have to have it's, code that yeah. repair, you know, there's, there has this whole set of trade-offs. So you can't it, do, you can't search the table. You like, yeah. Just create all, there's all kind of other problems. Yeah. So it's like, you really have to, I I shy away from that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've done that in the past and it was something that Me was too, like yeah. really a complicated object that was not going to be relational. You, you know, there was no, there wasn't, yeah, it was not relational with other tables, just sort of this one object. So like for instance, when, um, when I built Prezo, we're talking, you know, okay, now we're talking 15 years ago, but 
Prezo was a web PowerPoint program, we would store the presentation as a JSON object, right? Yeah, exactly. Rather than separate slides, one per table. Like, what's the point of that? You and do then, the whole thing. Why would you do that? You're not sharing slides. You, you're it's, just going to have to like, that's exactly the kind of use case where I would probably do the same thing. Because otherwise, you could, but then it does bite you in the ass because I've done exactly that, in fact, mm -hmm. for, for Digidoo, mm -hmm. for lessons. But then it bites you in the ass like five years later when all of a sudden, oh, holy crap, I need to unroll thousands of lessons yeah. and create relational tables. You got to be very careful. Structure. So <laughs> there was this great article. I mentioned it in a podcast probably two, three years ago. It was called, entitled, SQL is Agile. And he w basically made the argument that when you use these sort of document-based databases, the MongoDB stuff, key value stuff, that um, you it, it makes it harder to change things later because everything is normalized. Yeah. It's, when everything's yeah. denormalized, right, it, it is by definition more flexible because you can move stuff around because things don't, you know, you can connect things any way you want. If you know, the only time I think you really want to do, you want to normalize everything, is if you've had something in use for a long time, you absolutely know what it's going to be. It hasn't changed at all in years or long, you know, maybe or just a long time in terms of life of your product. And you're really running into some performance issues. And you're like, look, the joins that are causing us to create, to instantiate this object is like these, you know, is slowing things down. And we've done some tests and we can determine that if we do this, it's going to save us a lot of. But but when you're creating it, when you're building that editor in JavaScript, it feels agile to just save the object that's in memory. Mm -hmm. That sort of feels like the agile thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why you do it. It's only because it because to really think it through, you go, okay, I mean, because you don't even know, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to switch this around. I'm going to do all these different things to this object. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, so let's and then you go, like, it, it's sort of like, you know, you just feel like, okay, uh, wait, what What am I going to do? What should the schema be? I don't know. I don't know. It's only after it's been around. For yeah. Okay. So there's sort of like stages. Like there's the tinkering around and just playing with stuff, your right. prototype. Yeah. Fine. Do that. Okay. Now I have a beta version or we have an early product we're trying to create. Like I would be hesitant to do that because you could end up finding if things start to work. And then all of a sudden you realize all these new feature requests come in or all the things you're thinking of telling you, like, oh crap, we have to change this stuff. It's gonna the structure of these objects are totally different now and depends on this other stuff. Now you gotta do what you said, and that's really prone to error. You could totally screw stuff up. You know, right. it's really painful, and then it like, hey, it breaks on like, you know, seven percent of your objects and you don't know why, and you had to go <laughs> through them, and it's like, oh wait, oh, you know, we added these fields, or you know, we changed that from a a value to an object itself. There's, a, there's an ampersand in there, you know, like or, just, you know, just yeah, weird stuff. Oh, yeah, and there's stuff where just the JSON doesn't parse, right? There's yeah. that problem. But there's just the problem, like, the structure's changed because you were so, like, all the different versions you were playing around with stuff. I don't know. Um, I feel like with, uh, you know, especially with these ORMs, they're so kind of, they do so much of it for you. It's like, you know, it doesn't save you that much time to just write a bunch of JSON and save it than it does to... Yeah. But again... It all depends on the, like all these things we talk about, it all depends on the context, right? Because someone come to say, oh, well, Jason, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. In that context, I would. So it just depends. Mm -hmm. really depends. But I think you just have to be wary of going from that prototype, I'm shoving everything into a JSON object to, you know, the next stage like that. I would just like, just 
you know, whatever. Not de- I've been saying things otherwise. Nor- I've been using normalized and denormalized. You want to normalize everything so that everything is in its own table. Yes. You know, that's what you want to use, and that's what you want to do, I think. And then later, it's like, oh, it was a huge success, and our servers are burning out, and it's all these joins. We got to start. Okay, fine. Yes. But now with the cloud database stuff and R, what is it, RDS, well, you don't but, need to worry to about it on, To be honest, you don't need to worry about it as well because once you've got, once you do like memcached, you know, you put, you put stuff through, you, you cache result sets, even that's fine. You yeah. Know, because like your first, your first access for this object, maybe it does pull together thousands of records, but once it's memcached in memory, you're not pulling it from the database next time, you know, until it gets dirty, right? And so until yeah. the... Until, you do that, right, with your well, stuff? Do what? Mem- like memcached, like caching objects. I haven't memcached what we're doing sets. yet. It's just not big enough yet to worry yeah. about that. Well, that, but uh, yeah, so but that's what I'm saying. So like, y- you don't even need to go to the to the this this sort of other other thing because you've got other ways you can do it. You can shard it. You can memcache it. You can do all sorts of things. Yeah, you know what's funny too. I'm reading. Um, um, uh, there's a. I think it was an article or it was a book to it. It was like high performance scaling of MySQL or something. And there was some article about a guy who um, actually, you know, it was a presentation by the one, the head developer at uh, Flickr. This English guy, I can't remember his name. He's really, he's kind of funny. And there's this one slide that only sissies normalize or, or yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> oh, was it only, yeah. Only sis, sis, sissies normalize so that they would denormalize everything. They would create, these these uh, these complex tables because it was way 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 more performant mm-hmm. for Flickr scale stuff. But you have to remember that this stuff was like two thousand three, yeah, two thousand four. Just think how much faster the servers are now, the databases. Are. So the problems that they had to solve that didn't scale for them on their database servers, pro- and Flickr of course was massive success. So what you could do with with Google Cloud or Amazon's, you know, I mean Aurora. Have you used Aurora RDS? Aurora is just like the next scale up on RDS. I'm just using the regular RDS. Yeah, I mean Aurora is it's so fast. It's just unbelievable. It's like ten, it's like ten times faster. You're being than, attacked by Maisie. Yeah. Maisie, come here. <laughs> yeah, come here. That dog is like Maisie. Come here. He just bit me again. Just, did just nipped me. Well, just put sticking your finger in her mouth. I mean, that's <laughs> like that's a good, good starting in the point. <laughs> my finger was you just big like fat there. sausage pants you stick it in her pants i guess there. yeah my probably fingers just look like big sausages <laughs> delicious wow i love sausages yeah well anyway um yeah i think uh yeah or more I, I haven't used aurora have you have you used it compared it to rds yeah i i've used uh, like aurora it's it's so fast it's blind it's amazing it's really really good how much more expensive is it not i mean not not massive but, you know it's it's very very and it and like to to use it is just easy. It's exactly the same, wow. basically. So you just you just plug in a different endpoint, and then it it works. Yeah. See that stuff. Yeah, I'm, and I'm just using like RDS times fast faster. enough. So I maybe I'll try Aurora. But see, with that kind of stuff, I don't think you need to just sweat it in terms of yeah. like trying to worry about trying yeah. to make things as performant as possible. Just normalize stuff and. I mean, it's like it's sort of like forty bucks a month kind of thing. But but you can you can prepay and then it becomes like fifty percent less. Yeah, I have to look into that. I I, I mean there are certain queries that I think are kind of slow. We have some come some big ones that pull together lots of stats and stuff that I think could be. But I haven't I haven't been able to look into it myself. How often is the is the how often do those 
stats queries update, you become different. Oh, well, I don't run like a roll up statistics. It's just in, when you open a page, you need to pull all the stuff in there. It's there. So, well, what I'm what I'm trying to find out is because that could be a perfect use case for you to use to use memcache, which also is available through Amazon. Right. And um, if if the stats don't change that much, you know, like like are they the same every 15 minutes, for example? What stats? Yeah, like, or are they different every time? You every look at instant it? a kid answers a question, it changes. Stuff changes. Okay. So, it ne- so how you many need kids to- have answered this question? What's the percent of accuracy of this? Kid? You know, what's the time? So it runs. So every time, so a kid does something, it changes a little bit. And is that all? The, is that just you guys, the the, the head of like the the kind of um, the management team Admin. who are looking at that stuff, admin, or do the kids see that stuff too? Uh, it depends. There's certain things they see, certain things we see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. Is like, I don't want to worry about optimizing anything yet. Okay. It's still too early and to the point where it's like, oh, crap, this is too expensive or too slow. Then we'll worry about it. Like, it's, it's too much stuff is still taking shape, you know. As long as it's happening within less than a second, then you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Worth looking into. All right, well. So we're, we're about, we've, we've. Oh, we've done. Yeah, we've, we've put in our time. All right. I think that's a, what's a show, right? Yep. No more, no more, uh, yeah, we're, we're no more Peldy Nuggets. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will build you nuggets. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.